you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. This went by way too quickly. Such a nice day, we should just hang out. What's everyone doing after this? Smoking pot, huh? I can respect that. Climbers, to everybody in the back that I can't see good enough, I wish you were all right here. We're never playing this place again. It's too big. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and this week is going to be a little bit different because we kind of found ourselves in a little bit of a bind with three out of the five nights this weekend being shows and us wanting to be able to pay attention to them for concertpedia purposes and for instant reaction purposes that there wasn't a lot of edit time to do a big substantial show this week. So we decided to kind of do something a little bit minimalized. And this is actually a show from 1992 at Lawrence, Kansas, which is the University of Kansas campus here. This is an interesting show because we have video for it. But what we don't have is that we believe this is an incomplete set list from what we have right now. So we can talk about kind of like the speculation passed down through 31 years, like what this show could have been. And there's some interesting facets to talk about in the show. 1992 is always interesting. And it's also happening in May, which might be pound for pound the most important month in Pearl Jam history, May of 1992. So we'll get into all that and maybe a little live on Four Legs Street for you all out there. So if you like to know what's coming up in the future, then you might like to know what's happening here. Okay, Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. So by this time, it's the end of the tour. We don't know that. We don't know what's going to happen. This is being recorded... We have three shows left, but I mean, there's so many different talking points from the cancellation to Josh filling in and everything like that. So from what we know, do you have anything to kind of fill in here that we didn't mention last week? 
You know, night one in Fort Worth was obviously very unique. We're recording this a little bit before night two is going to start. We don't know for sure if Matt is going to be back. We hope that Austin is going to go off without a hitch. They got a few more days to let Matt recover and get back, and hopefully they'll be able to bring this thing home. But this tour has been really unbelievable as far as tour debuts and digging deep in the history. And we talked about it a little bit, like... I've just been really blown away by the fan service that they've done on this tour for people who are traveling and they know people are going to see all the shows and the stories that it's been telling and the way they've handled everything. It's just been very, very impressive. You know, I wish we had a lot more shows to talk about and hopefully we can kind of look forward a little bit and talk about it. Hopefully we can focus on a new record coming out and a new tour for next year. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I'm most interested in right now that didn't happen on this run is I guess it makes sense, but through nine shows, it's really tough to get a singular song going. And I wanted to know what was going to be like the next like garden or hard to imagine from last year that just kind of got repetitive plays. But it seems like those songs have all been sort of one and done. If you know what I mean, right? Yeah, definitely. Adding in all of like the deep cuts on the records and kind of mixing it up as much as they could, it doesn't lead to any room for there to be a song that can pick up some steam. Yeah, and just not enough shows for something like that to happen. If you're doing, you know, last year they did over 30 shows and you get a chance to really have them travel around and get on a roll with stuff. But I think they knew going into this with only nine shows scheduled and it looks like eight are going to get played. There's just not enough room to go and repeat stuff. Like I said, when they know that people are traveling, they know that people want to hear different things. So I went on that kind of rant before, and then that Chicago One reaction episode about just how, how impressive this is after 33 years of being a band, unprecedented. And yeah, I really wish we had more shows to talk about now, but hopefully we won't have to wait that long before we know what's going on next year. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully not. And... I don't exactly see tours for the future happening in this manner. I think they'll happen more like they did last year, but that to me was an album tour year and what an album tour year would look like. I think for the tweener years, I think that this is going to be what it looks like. In some years, it might be ballpark shows. And some years it might be another part of the country. It might be all West Coast. It might be all East Coast. Who knows? But I think that this structure is kind of what you can expect for the future a little bit. I think that's just kind of where we are with this band right now. And if we can get nights where they're still pulling out the big hits and being very hit friendly and also being generous to the longtime fan that loves Riot Act by Gnarl, Avocado, and those records that don't get enough love, then that might be okay for the future. You know what I mean? This yeah. is yeah. a good sign. Oh, absolutely. They've been great. The shows in St. Paul and Chicago were better, I think, than we had hoped they would be. I was very, very impressed. And Fort Worth Night 1 was what it was. We're hoping that Night 2 is going to pick up right where Chicago left off and they're going to keep going on to Austin from there. But for a band in this part of their career, we're getting a lot more than what you would expect from a band 33 years in. It's very, very impressive. So, John, we promised the people a little bit of a sneak peek into what the Live on Four Legs repertoire is for the rest of the year. 
And one of those things will be you kind of erased it on the schedule and kind of put it in stone that we were going to do both Chicago shows, which I wanted to put it to a vote, but I feel like it's just going to be a moot point anyway. It's going to be Chicago. So we'll end up doing those shows by the end of the year, sort of like what we did last year with St. Louis and I believe Fresno and Frankfurt kind of giving you guys the extent of that and some things kind of come to mind the bootlegs will be out very very soon and maybe we can do some listening parties or something like that we put something together but we do have a pretty cool schedule coming up for the rest of the year and just like most of this year it is centralized on two themes and the themes being anniversaries mostly so Let's start with the end of September. We're going to be doing Prague 2018. I listened to that show recently. I was very, very impressed, John. That's going to be a fun show. Good. You know, the help into help help, which was very cool. Oh, right. Right. And it has a different, like the Love Boat Captain Jam, but it, it's not Jumping Jack Flash. It's something completely different than that. So I think we're in for something really good with that show that we might not be expecting at all. It's always good to go back, you know, because going way back to 1992, it's always good to get that juxtaposition of like, let's go way back. And then that kind of refreshes everything. And then we can look back at 2018 with kind of a new light. Because, you know, when you do too much one year at a time, you start to feel a little bit repetitive and starts to get a little bit stale. So it'll be good to go. We haven't done one of those in a while. So it'll be good to get back to that one with fresh ears and give it a good, honest listen. Yeah, especially because it's really, it's the last tour before this era. So it's kind of where the transitions into what would become the new sort of Pearl Jam. Like, where can we see it here? I think that'll be really interesting to go through. So these next three that we're going to do are all requests, and that's going to end our Patreon request for the year. And we'll delve into more of those as 2024 comes around, which is basically right around the corner at this point. So Ross Struthers requested Prague. Pete the Tape Cassette. I believe it's Cassette, but I I like to call it Cassette. I think he has a chuckle at that as well. He's going to get his request winnipeg 2005 done the week after i listened to that show recently too because that is a birthday show for me so that's one that i've listened to a couple times and obviously just having birthday as just having anniversary last week i listened to it on the birthday date so i have that one a little fresh in my head as well but we haven't done a 2005 canadian show in in quite a bit that's a great run of shows too yeah, um, we need to we need to, to do more about, of that. Yeah, about those tweener tours where kind of anything goes, and that's one where they were starting to just throw things against the wall and see what's stuck. I think that's got a better man opener. So yeah, it's gonna be very interesting. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna go all the way back to 2021. Believe it or not, and remember 2021? We were we were sort of half in COVID, half out of COVID. I'd like to forget it. <laughs> well, obviously, there were only four shows to go through, and we've already done one of them. But Dakota's request, and Dakota's been awesome. I just want to give him a, a little bit of a shout out because he's always a part of this, and he's spreading the word about the Pearl Jam podcast community group, about the live streams and all that. So Dakota's been doing so much. And unfortunately, we didn't get to see his tailgate happen at Indy. But, you know, there's always another time for that. So hopefully when they reschedule, schedule we'll be able to finally get that tailgate and hopefully a lot of people come by and all that so his request is ohana encore night two 
So we'll get to that show. I believe that one was a really fun one from that run. And then after that, we have our celebration of the 30th anniversary of Versus. It's 30 years since Versus. So we're going to kick it off. And it'll be jumbled up a little bit because it's also the 10th anniversary of Lightning Bolt. So we're going to kind of go back and forth a little bit here. So I believe this is the original album release date on October 18th. That date will be the Slims Cafe show. So we're finally doing Slims. We're getting that done. And I think at a really good moment to celebrate this. So I think that's going to be something on everybody's radar. So mark it on your calendars, the 18th of October. And then we're going to do two weeks in a row. One show that I've been begging for a while with that. We got to do this. We got to do this. Part for 2013 is finally happening. Yes, it'll be released on the anniversary date on the 25th, 10 years to the day. And I got lots of things to talk about there. Lots of great stories. And then the week after that, we'll be doing Charlottesville 2013. What do you think about those? Great underrated shows. A lot of people think that was the best one of that tour. Yeah. And it kind of is reminiscent of a little bit of what they've done this year, too. Just kind of saying, all right, this song, let's pluck it out. It's an obscure one. This one, obscure one. And, and doing it all in one spot. It's, it's very similar to what we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. And then after those two, celebrating 2013 a little bit, and basically it's going to be 2013 and 1993 from here on out, the whole month of November is going to be 1993. And surprisingly enough, there aren't a lot of 1993 shows that we've done in our history, and I don't know why. That seems like we can do a little bit better on that. But we'll be doing San Diego Night 2, We'll be doing New Orleans Night 2. That might be one of my favorites that we end up doing on this final run. Uh, Nagadoches, that'll be a fun one to do. And Las Vegas, everybody knows the Las Vegas Night 1. That ended up being a vault release. But we'll do Night 2, and we'll see where that one goes. And that should be a lot of fun. So a lot of celebration for the 30th anniversary of Versus. A lot of celebration for Lightning Bolt. And we're going to be doing Vancouver 2013. Somebody brought up to us, how amazing is this, that Vancouver is a sneaky, important city for Pearl Jam. Am I, am I not wrong about that? Hmm. How so? Because it's the first spot that they played outside of America. And granted, it's right above Seattle. So it's kind yeah. of like almost a home away from home kind of place. And yeah, they don't go back to it a whole lot, but it's still like really in their backyard. And it feels like they've gotten a lot of good stuff that we just sort of, I guess in the grand scheme overlooked. And finally we're going to be able to get to one. I think that that's important to get to that there. I think that might be the show that Ed talks about that. He's like, yeah, like we should have been up here more throughout the years. This should have been more important to us. But yeah, it's pretty close to Seattle. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Wasn't their first show there at a place called like Town Pump or something like that? Does that sound familiar? Maybe. I Maybe. think that might be the show that's 91. documented on PJ20 where it's the breath where he's, you know, screaming it into the security guard's face. Mm. I think it might be that show. I'm I'm not entirely sure, but 
we'll uh, obviously talk about that once that episode comes. And then, like we just mentioned, Chicago night one and night two will be covered back to back in December, as well as our traditional Hall of Fame episode, which has what two entries as of right now. We'll have a vote. We'll get some more in there. Yeah, we'll have some posthumous ones. Come up with some wild cards. Yep. And then under 2024, even though we're booked until June. Yeah, well, no, I should say <laughs> our first open date on their schedule is August. <laughs> That's how fucking ridiculous this is. But John's plea in a size 43 caliber text. Right. More Jack. We yep. currently patrons patrons got to come through and request some 1995, 1996 stuff because yeah. we haven't done much in a long time. We do have for November planning Istanbul 1996 and 2024, but I, I think there should be a little bit more than that. And get we'll those, figure uh, it out. Got to get those Australian 98 ones. We haven't done hardly any of those. And 95. Yeah. I don't remember the last time we did an Australian 1995 show, yeah. so we yeah. got to add that in. Yep. All right. For all of you junkies out there that want to go and listen to the bootlegs before you listen to the big show, then that's what we're doing and it should be a fun rest of the year you guys like i'm looking forward to a lot of these shows i'm looking forward to tell everything i got from the hartford show and yeah i think it'll be a lot of fun yeah i'm looking forward to getting into that versus era you know like i said 1993 we haven't done very much of that's going to be a lot of different talking points for that month and the slims especially i know that's one that a lot of people have been asking for in the very beginning so it'll be good to, to dig into that a lot of debuts yep absolutely for sure all right well we haven't talked a lick about this show that we're covering today and that's kind of because as i mentioned it's on youtube but a lot of the beginning of the show is not there and what you might see if you go on live footsteps right now is what we have of this show from YouTube, but our friends over at Pearl Jam they're sneaky, very, very good at what they do. And we don't talk about them enough. I, I just don't see them being tossed out there very often, but they, they have some cool stuff. They have photos, they have like ads and stuff like that, banners and things like that, and newspaper clippings. It's, they, they do a really nice job. They, on their site, have a different set list than what we see because what we see, we start with why go. And then there's a very clear camera cut before a live happens. And you can tell that stuff is missing. Yeah. And there's no information on five horizons from this. It says attendance is 1000, which seems to be very, very wrong. Yeah. And there's no information on the set list. They got the poster and it says it was outdoors and here's the other bands played and that's it. So we're kind of dealing with a blank slate here. So I wonder maybe if, you know, if they got a hold of a set list or something, maybe we need to talk to Alex and see if there's a set list floating around from this one somewhere. But I noticed that too when I was watching this, like there's an obvious cut and you had pointed out Evenflow is not on this video, and they weren't going through 1992 without playing Evenflow. Right, right. Yeah, there's no chance of that happening. So the set list that is compiled on Concert Chronology has Evenflow opening the show. That makes a lot of sense. And then Why Go, 
which we have, Jeremy and Deep, which we don't have, and then hard to imagine it has kind of in parentheses here, and you kind of do hear a little bit of the hard to imagine sort of noodling behind a live, like before getting into a live, so I guess, I guess that's what that's being considered as, but yeah. also you mentioned attendance, and yeah, 1,000 is very much undercutting it because approximately 18,000 is what's reported here. That now, makes more sense. I, yeah, yeah. And you can tell, like I said, this video is on YouTube. You can take a look at it. You can tell that that crowd is pretty packed. So I'm going to read verbatim on their site of sort of what this show was about. So this was a student union activity sponsored outdoor event that was free. Pearl Jam signed a $3,000 contract to play. Student advisor Susan Hoffman said when we booked the show in January of 1992, Pearl Jam had one song, Alive. That was their only song hitting the charts. But by May, they were huge. It was never meant to be that huge. We just got really, really lucky that one year. And they have a couple other bands that opened for them, like Tribe After Tribe. I believe we've talked about them a couple times. Just were, Friends, Robbie Rob ended up being Three Fish, I think, with Jeff. Yeah, that, right. Mm-hmm. Let's Go Bowling, which is a ska band. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A ska enough. band opened up for Pearl Jam, though. It's, yep. I mean, hey, crazier things have happened. Yeah. And then two bands, Zoom and Trademark. Your guess is as yeah. good as mine, right? Well, I think I read up there. They're just local bands. Yeah. Played, opened up the show. Yeah. Yeah. That newspaper clipping, it must've been from like a student writer because he said something along the lines of like, Oh, I didn't get to see them, but we'll go somewhere right. at a venue right. of their choice and we'll take care of that. So I think that newspaper clipping expresses how crazy it was in that pit. And also, this is a like a death-defying Ed type show here. Porch is going to have yeah. that moment yeah. yep. where I've kind of called this. This is almost like preparation for drop in the park because the antics are basically exactly the same. Yeah, a little bit free show outdoors. Yeah, I didn't even think about the free show part. I was just thinking yeah. about jumping the scaffolding and wrapping right. the mic around and stuff like that. I didn't even think about the free part. That's yeah. Right. You know, then 92, you had the Lollapalooza shows and everything, which is a bigger stage that they were used to. But this is an interesting setup. It is a lot like Drop in the Park, where I think they call this Day on the Hill. Yeah. It's just like they have this kind of like open area on campus. And it's just like, hey, put up a thing, have some bands come play. And it just ends up that one of those bands happens to be the hottest band in the country at that point. So, yeah, 18,000 kids showed up at a free show at the University of Kansas. That's, uh, and you, you can tell, like, the kids up front, they're having a great time. They're way into it. It's not like watching mural amphitheater from a year before in Seattle where it's very sedate. and Everyone's just kind of watching, like, these kids are into it. Oh, big time. Yeah, they kind of get what's going on here. And I teased it in, in the beginning. I think May 1992 can be argued as being their most important month. And it's less a show-wise, but like more of what happens. And that's the month where we get to see Unplugged Air for the first time. And that is the rocket booster, like straight to the moon with them after that. Yeah, MTV Unplugged was released on May 13th, so only about 
what, 11 days after this. So after that, you were seeing clips on MTV all the time of that. They were using Porch and Alive and even Flow, Jeremy. So that was everywhere. Yeah, and that leads to bigger and better things. And the Evenflow video is already pretty popular and, sure. you know, getting some attention. And then only a month later where it's Lollapalooza onto the Jeremy video and then they really blast off. So this could be the most important month of their entire career that really launches them. But we do have a show to get into from Lawrence, Kansas, the Rock Chalk Jayhawk, the University of Kansas campus. So, as we mentioned, we think and we're convinced that Even Flow starts the show. However, we don't know that. So, we're just going to sit here and say, hey, Even Flow sounded like Even Flow, right? Sounded pretty good, right? Ed probably yeah, had one of the what in the beginning. <laughs> Stone really hitting that groove on Even Flow there. <laughs> We do have the next song, which they go into Why Go. in there and, and you can kind of tell like it had already been going because a crowd doesn't start like that if you know what I mean yeah everybody's moving Jeff and Mike are bouncing all over the stage it just looks like a really fun environment out there and Ed kind of at points in the show will get on people be like hey stop that asshole and see things that are going on but like it did seem like even though there were a lot of heads down there it did seem pretty safe yeah, you do see a lot of crowd surfing. And on. You always wonder, you never know what's going on. Like, I've been, I was hitting the head so many times back then. But it looks like just a bunch of kids, like a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds. So, yeah, you think they're invincible and just go with it. But, yeah, you mentioned the thing that sticks out to me on this is just watching Jeff just not stand still in the same place for more than one second. Like, he is all over the place on this, just running back and forth, bouncing, jumping to jam kind of under the solo is really really good on this when Mike's soloing the whole band Stone and Jeff especially just really pushing it and really going for it this is a really really vibrant version of Wigo and another thing to think about here is that you know we're at May 2nd which could be a little before finals like this could be like 
the big moment before getting into finals and hunkering down and testing, or it could be right after, where it's like all the finals are done and this is like one of the last big days on campus. And for some people, yeah, they might be going home, it might be their sophomore year or something like that, but other people that are in that crowd, they might be graduating in about a week, you know what I mean? Yeah, and they've been dancing to ska for earlier in the day too, so... Oh kind of no, not ska. <laughs> Not Ska, the Demon's music, right? <laughs> well, hey, 1992, that was like the great third wave of Ska had not hit yet. So right. that was a little bit like, wait, what? What is this? Like, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think like 94, 95 is 90, when. Yeah, 95, 96, the No Doubt and all that. Yeah, Mighty Buddy Boston's Real Big mm-hmm. Fish. I can yep. talk for ages about that, but... Yep. I've not met another Pearl Jam fan that likes Ska in the same way that I do. (laughs) It just won't happen. So we haven't heard from Javier in a little while because the last couple weeks we were focusing on shows. He ended up getting COVID one week and now we're back. We're getting him in his sweet spot talking about the gear and talking about the songs. So Javier wanted to talk about why go and and some of the things that happened in this version that kind of ended up making it what it is. So why don't we get over to the gear guru and get a little lesson on 1992 rock and roll. Hey, Randy. Hey, John. Hey, everyone on the podcast. Well, I guess I'm back. Sorry that I missed a few episodes. You know, I'm just going back after being on the St. Paul shows and Chicago shows and all the obligations, all that kind of stuff. So I couldn't record much in the past couple of weeks. So I apologize for that. But we're going to be covering this 1992 show that is pretty interesting. So the first one that I wanted to talk to is Why Go? I know that Right now, we are very used to that kind of like very fluid why go with man on the drums. But this is a pretty cool version to talk to too, because this is a little bit more choppy. It's very, very close. I mean, 99% identical to the original version where you have that hi-hat kind of like cutting up the pace a little bit more, which it has a little bit maybe more groove to it. When it comes to equipment, this is like old school Pro Jam classic stuff. JCA made hundreds, super big amps, Marshall driven tones in that Fender Stratocaster they would hear on the solos. Stone was running that classic Les Paul with number two in the back. I think that is a 1973 reissue that he had at that point. And Stone at that point also he was running JCM 800s by Marshall and also Twin Reverbs. So you can get a little bit more clarity and a little bit more headroom when it comes to the clean tones and not the overdriven tones. It's just a really good interpretation. Uh, it's kind of funny and exciting to go back and just to hear this version to see how much the song has evolved. Pedal-wise, around that time, there's not much to talk to except for Roto Vibes, classic Crybaby Wah, and just like all the overdrives coming from the amps. God knows how loud they were, because if you really want to get an overdrive for a Marshall amp, as guitar players know, you really need to push it. You really need to get that volume super 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 high but yeah we're gonna kick it off with that for this week and i'll see you guys in a little bit as always thank you javier great stuff and we'll see you later for porch all right ed talks here but really again this is kind of out of order here jeremy and deep are the next two songs so miss all that 
And from this point forward, we seem to have everything else. Unless there was something that was misreported or something like that, then it seems like we're pretty much on schedule for the rest of this set list. So Ed speaks here and says, all I see are pictures of people gathering in large amounts. It's a pretty violent situation. It's pretty cool to see people getting together and getting along. You know, I think a lot of what's probably going through not just his head, but the whole band's head right now is that they're seeing this evolve in front of their eyes that, okay, we were just in Europe a couple months ago and had like a thousand people there in small dank clubs and just kind of bare bones almost. And now in a matter of like two or three months, it's really skyrocketed like this. And I think that like, they're still almost like trying to, not just figure it out, but like trying to kind of rub their eyes and be like, whoa, yeah, this is really happening. And just surprised that everything is right there in front of them. Yeah. And I think a lot of the story of 1992 that's different from almost any other year is like when the kind of touring paid off and like all the road warrior stuff and getting in the van and going, you started to see all that stuff pay off and they started to become a really, really impressive, tight, no pun intended, force of nature live act. Like, if you look at this, they basically were on tour starting at the end of February all throughout. End of January? Yeah, end of January, all throughout February, all throughout March, all throughout April. They did not stop, and that includes, you know, going to Europe and then coming right back to Unplugged and then going out the very next week and going back out. When you do that, when you play for, God, 60 out of 65 days or 70 out of 80 days you start to see some things happen on stage like the songs get tighter the highs get higher and you start to see that pay off in the summer of 92 and they really become the live band that takes over everything the year after they wouldn't tour like that you know they did basically you know all throughout may and then all throughout june into july august they were on the road all year basically from january to september and being on the road that much you build something like you learn they became the live band that they would become then after that you just got to maintain it and they would do that for the next few years but that's the thing that stuck out to me on this is you're seeing that come to fruition and that pay off in their set because they are just explosive on stage well going back to the speech Stone is doing the hard-to-imagine hammer-ons during that, so that is the hard-to-imagine, as I mentioned before. And then Ed says, It's too bad it took violence to get this stuff onto our minds, but keep it there until we do something. All right, Stone, play. That's where Alive comes in, not the second song of the set, just the second song that we have here. Tons of crowd surfing during this. You notice at this point that Ed takes off his flannel that he's wearing, And you see his shirt, and it's a marker-written shirt. So I went back to one of the photos to see what it was, because he's always got like the messages, and sometimes it's pro-choice, and sometimes it's something else. But at this show, he had Mother Earth written on his shirt, which Mm. makes sense. Yeah, out in out in the atmosphere in the outdoors, you know. I think 1992, like yeah, Earth Day was starting to happen, become more of a thing, and everything. Yeah, it makes sense. So as mentioned from the booker of this show that Alive was the only song that they had at this point, well, the crowd knows it and the crowd is very spirited during this. They were going at it pretty hard. 
thing that stuck out to me was Ed just standing there, just headbanging, just whipping his head around for almost the whole solo, just watching that hair fly around and around in a circle, just completely lost in the music. This is a really good performance of live, even, even for 92. Well, the next thing up is a little bit of an improv. And this improv is the same jam and beat that they used for nearly all of their improvs in very early 1992. When I woke up this morning, no one could have ever told me we would have woken up to this. like yeah when i wake up three days from now like who knows where i'm gonna be or something there's like a little hint of like man it, every day things are changing who knows what's gonna happen in two days but then he does say we're just making this shit up so yeah <laughs> so black is played here okay my point on black from the very beginning it looks like ed when singing this at first and getting to the mic was just kind of frozen, like just kind of standing there singing. And usually his hands will be on the mic or maybe in his pocket or something like that. But it seemed like he was kind of frozen in, in, in his place. Did you notice that? No, because I mean, everyone else is still being moving around very much, especially Mike. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You know, black is the introspective one, you know, if he's still kind of channeling the original spirit behind it and trying to get inside it a little bit. So it wouldn't look right to have Black singing and have him, like, jumping around and being all crazy. That's one where, you know, he needs to channel some of that angst and some of that power that it had originally when he wrote it. But love the We Belong Together on this, too. Really early, We Belong Together. Going back to Unplugged, like, they were doing this like this every single night. I always have to mention the Surrounded by Some Kids at Play, where he goes really high on that line. Like, that's the one thing that's... In. Yeah. Yeah. And then, obviously, we, we, we belong together. Like, all of that stuff kind of is the quintessential what you think of when you think of 1992 versions of this. Oh, 
Mike has a very on-point killer solo on Yeah, and we're coming off that Fort Worth show where Ed called the Black Solo the best of the tour and maybe the best of his life. And, like, it's got some competition. This isn't, like, Stevie Ray Vaughan mode Mike or Jimi Hendrix Mike. He's working on something different here. He's he's starting to come into his own on these Black Solos. It's, oh, it's very, very good. It's one of my favorite moments of the show. There is a moment here where Ed, it sees some kind of commotion in the crowd. I kind of mentioned this before. And he sees a crowd surfing and he screams out, come on, fuckhead, like right in the middle of the song. Notice that. And there's also at the end, I don't know if you caught this. I guess it was kind of hard not to catch this, but it looks like he's about to do something with his mic stand, but instead trips over maybe the wire. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like he was going to like slam something or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's going to have time to do crazy things in, oh, in yeah, just a little bit, so don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Right here, it says, I'm, <laughs> so Ed says, we've never been to Kansas before, and then I think Mike piggybacks on that yeah. while saying the most stereotypical thing that you say when you're in Kansas, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. The Dorothy line, we all know mm-hmm. it. Yeah. These people know right. where they live. They don't need to be reminded like that. All right. He says, since we don't have any plans here, I'm going to introduce you to everyone and goes around the horn. And then we get into state of love and trust. And it's from this point that I noticed where the fuck is Dave? Yeah. He's you, behind this wall of amps. He can't. Yeah. You, yeah. Weird angle. It's kind of like it's stone side, but it's not like directly level with the stage. It's kind of angled a little bit where this big amp is right in front of him. And sometimes you can kind of see a cymbal or a bass drum down there or something, but you don't get to see what is arguably like one of the best visuals of 1992. Dave just banging his head out there, you know, like that's well, just picture him with a big smile on his face and a cigarette dangling on. You yeah. got it. Yeah. Oh, I know. But still, that's the time. That's what you want from that. But yeah, kind of crazy. And and this is a pretty crazy performance, too. Like, just meant for the crowd to go bounce on.
being released until later in the year, I think August or September. But yeah, this performance is one of the best of the night. You can tell like they've got a little more energy on this one, a little more power behind it because it's quote unquote the new one, even though it's been played, you know, just as much as some of the songs on 10 at this point. But it's got that kind of fresh sound to it. You know, they feel energized by it because, you no, know, it's not on the record. It still kind of has new energy to it. Uh, this is a fantastic performance, especially you mentioned Dave. You can't see him, but he just powers through this thing completely. And Mike and Stone together sound really, really good. I love this performance of State of Love and Trust. Following up, State of Love and Trust is once. The only real talking point that isn't just energy is great and the crowd is great is that just bringing up the echo that happens during once in this era. It's every time that Ed gets into that once, 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 you like you hear that in the background a little bit. And I feel like we've heard that at recent ish shows like sometime in the 2000s. They've done that again, but they don't go back to it very often. in to frame like in midair off of a jump like oh it's just so cool to watch we kind of miss that from jeff these days but back then he was just almost a showstopper like you know mike is the showstopper now but jeff back then never stood still oh yeah his calling card for sure was just to be the active one he was the most athletic of the bunch so he's not ever going to stop in this era and being able to play like that like yeah, a lot of people can run and jump around, but being able to still hold it down and play the things that he's playing, he's got some talent. When he was doing it in Green River and Mother Love Bone, they weren't playing in stages where there was a lot of space to run around like that. Sure. So sure. that comes with a lot of practice. Ed says after once before getting into porch, this went by way too quickly. Such a nice day. We should just hang out. What's everyone doing after this? Smoking pot? I can respect that. This song is to all the tree climbers, all the people that I can't see in the back. We're never playing this place again. It's too big. Well, there goes your 1,000 max capacity that Five Horizons has. So, Porch. All right, we kind of teed it up before. It's very, very similar to Drop in the Park. It's one of Ed's stunt versions, and it has that fast porch aggression right from the jump of this. One, two, three. What the fuck is this world? What are you doing, baby? Leave a message, please die. Put a ring in the voice, my last time. Baby, my kid, what is good? Be my time, I'll do it. What 
scaffolding and the shenanigans are on and the band like they're pushing it for a while they're keeping up with them but eventually the band just kind of goes into a van mode like all right we got to play this out like and just watch and see what happens here yeah he got up that scaffolding rather quickly but yeah the camera like zoomed out a little bit just so they can see the whole thing and then by the time it was like back in focus he was already on like the top rung and he does this little thing when he's up there like he's trying to test it he's like okay can this hold me and he's trying to like stomp it with his foot to see if he was gonna fall and and break himself and it seemed like he deemed it okay this is gonna be pretty sturdy i can do what i need to do next and he goes through gets his way up to there's a scaffolding overhang that's over the band and that's what he wants to get to that's right where the stunts are always happening and he starts to climb up and he swings back and forth like some of those swings i thought how is he not gonna fall on this they were very vicious and violent there yeah he's going for it and to watch it it always reminds me of that quote from pj20 i think it's stone that's like he could have killed himself all it took was one loose screw one loose connection up there he grabs the wrong thing and like would have fallen and been very badly hurt but you go for it like it's the power of the music you make it an experience and then he just kind of sits up there for a while that's when the band kind of changes into like this different mode of the song and like he's just kind of hanging out on top of this thing like trees behind him it's just like he's at his happiest just up there like above everybody in the trees just like chilling out for a little bit and then he has to make his way down yeah he actually gets the mic thrown up there and when he's climbing up to the top he has the microphone in his mouth the whole time and he does some hey chants he's like wow what a beautiful fucking place 
and the band is in like their go-to mode for whenever Ed decides to go off script. Like even the breakdown here is very similar to what they did in Drop and Park. Like that, like getting a little faster. Dun, 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 dun. It's very very similar. So he pulls off the same trick, you know. After a little monkey bars, he goes through. He puts the mic cord right through the scaffolding, and then kind of swings and slides down and does the swing into the crowd and kind of goes back and forth a couple times and then launches himself right into the crowd. Look, he's on a tire swing jumping onto a river or something. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this, but I saw Jeff look up at one point and then like kind of quickly look away as to say like, I don't want anything to do with this. I don't want to know what's going to happen up there. Yeah, yeah. But all credit to Ed. He's just so fucking nimble. How does he defy this gravity, you know? Like, he's literally, at points, almost hanging on by a pinky nail. Yeah, I think one of the things I read was, like, when he jumped out, if they had written that the cord had broken, like, the cord had snapped, and that's why he fell out. I'm not sure if it was that or if he actually felt like he meant to jump. But he threads the cord up the top, and he's just swinging, like, full-on, full weight out on top of the crowd. The guy's, like, just putting his body on the line, like, giving everything out there for the show. And, like, yeah, just insane to watch. I can't imagine, like, yeah, if you're in a band with him, like, you're just hoping, yeah, don't kill yourself. But also, that's amazing. And how do you do that? Right. Exactly. What a showman he was. He could do that then, but obviously, his place now is nowhere close to stage diving these days, pushing 60. So let's get to Javier on this because he had a little bit to say. There was a Mike tagging Voodoo Child in this, and Javier's all happy because he's able to pick up his Mike McCready signature Stratocaster. So we'll be testing that out at some point very soon. After he talks about this, we'll kind of tell you a little bit of what's going on with him and, and another gear garage potentially coming up. But let's hear Javier talking about Portrait If you listen to Porch right now, like if you were in, in the shows on this tour, like Porch is so loose, so jammy, kind of like you never know what you're gonna get. It's more about feel. It's more about like that visual communication that these guys have when they're on the stage. But on 1992, it's kind of cool to see that like Mike was always start with that snippet for Voodoo Child, and that will be the first step towards the structure of the song. Then you get that da 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 that is more like based on that as well. But I just love the fact that it was kind of like step one, you do Voodoo Child. Step two, we get the second part till we get very intense and then it will come into that. It's kind of funny to look back and think that these guys have some sort of a structure life when it comes to a song because it's, yeah, well, I guess it's, they were starting at that point, so I guess they needed that. Again, classic JCM 800 sounds and tones. There's not much rotation around that time when it comes to equipment. Uh, less balls for sure. There was not P90 on the arsenal at that point, so you're gonna get that super like bright, kind of like sharp edge cutting tone coming from that. And dynamic, a lot of dynamics, a lot of like 
coming from the right hand from the players and yeah super groovy super punchy but yeah awesome version but i just wanted to kind of like look back and compare 1992 to now which is amazing to me of a band that had some sort of a structure when it comes to a live version to no structure at all and everything based on feel which is absolutely amazing well once again thanks javier good stuff and a lot going on in that porch so getting a little bit of the musical side ain't half bad in this as well but energy is very very high and it's very good that they came back onto the stage without his head split in half so we're at the encore we will just run right through this we only have two ish songs left and then before getting into ratings and all that we'll do patreon pause for station identification stuff suggestion is teased very quickly and you have to have loved what he said here right i do i do Words to live by. Now, what is he talking about afterwards? Because he's like, the fuckers who own these records quit. You're going to kill somebody. Why ruin a good day? Like, I think they're throwing records records? or something. People are throwing shit because Jeff comes on and goes like, and the tennis balls. Stop throwing tennis balls. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, so they're they're getting a little... A little rowdy, and it's coming towards the end of the set. But yeah, take care of those records. Don't throw those. It's gonna break. Uh, don't, You're gonna don't want that later. Now, were they records or were they CDs? Was it just Ed's way of saying? Oh yeah, probably CDs. You know, Pearl Jam didn't have vinyl of ten until '94 in the U.S., so it would have been CDs at that point. Right. All right. We get to Garden. We get a beach ball tossed around during the bridge section of Garden, and Ed is trying to get himself involved in this and due to that he almost misses the last chorus of the song meanwhile the band is just grooving on it and you hear the bass in full force on this very very heavy although you can't see dave everyone huddles around him towards the end and feeds off that energy that's coming from him
doing this obviously a lot. Garden is kind of the first encore song to come out and kind of change the vibe a little bit after Porch kind of reset everything. It doesn't really fit in the main set in between all those other like kind of rockers and upbeat songs, but kind of here is a change of pace. Like, yeah, it could change the mood a little bit, come out of the encore and go into something like Garden and really, really cool version. Wish we could see Dave on this one especially. Yep, absolutely. Leash is going to close the show and it was 40 minutes that we watched here that's nothing compared to other shows that we've covered in the past but again we missed three songs and it was probably more like an hour long so if anybody can uncover that then maybe we can go back and fill in some edits in this episode but i think the highlight of this is definitely towards the end where it looks like at first ed is going to deep pants mike where he's like kind of looking and going to yeah, take his pants off, but yeah. instead he opts to just put them on his shoulders so they can just dance around. And yeah, it's a fun moment. That's the kind of camaraderie that they were going through at the time. You know, the vibes were very positive, and they got to be feeling really good that the crowds are coming out and seeing them and getting a really, really good response. And more so than music videos in heavy rotation, I think that that's what they're feeding off of. Like, okay, if the crowd is liking us performing, then we're in, we're happy. Like, that's going to fulfill us. sees Jeff bouncing around and really gets into it and you see them have kind of a little bit of a moment together just like going completely off on the song and again Leash is like State of Love and Trust it's quote unquote the new one even though it was played at this point almost as much as Garden and probably some of the other stuff on 10 but you can tell there's a different energy on Leash too like a different kind of song than what you had on 10 that that was going to lead to the next year and beyond but Mike's on Ed's shoulders for a long time during the almost the whole solo this is a super fun like show stopping performance again and show they were ending the show with with Lee Shalatu back in 92 so very cool performance yep and that gets us through this now as we mentioned we're going to pause for station identification right here and get to some stuff and get to some of what's going to happen on patreon in the future and the patrons just keep rolling in 
And we don't even know the end of the tour total here, but this is from right before getting into the second Fort Worth show, what we have. So let's thank David Lipman. Let's thank Zane Daniels, Jack Price, Lara Stiegler, Jackson B., Brian Jones, Thomas Blaine, Valerie, Kevin Didick. And then a special thank you to Chris Carr, our brand new Horizon Leg patron. Nice. Very, very cool. That's 10 new patrons, you guys. Wow. So it's very inspiring to just see those names pop in as new patrons. Just means the world to us that you guys are behind the show and backing us like that. You'd like always say, you know, it makes us want to keep doing more and more stuff. And stay tuned. You know, there, there's more good stuff coming soon. Well, after kind of noticing all this, we're like, hey, we want these people to have more content after the show's end and, and yep. get into it. So what could they be expecting perhaps before the end of September, John? Well, I think we're going to do our best and we're working on it right now. Going to get that, do the evolution, evolution episode out, do the evolution squared, if you will, which is going to be, Really fun to talk about a song from Yield and a lot of different parts of the history of Do the Evolution that we're going to get into. So all you new patrons, be on the lookout for that and, and go back and dig into the archives and find those old ones and, and check them out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ask anybody that's been a patron for years. They'll tell you how good that stuff is. But also coming out per potentially sooner than that is a brand new Gear Garage episode, as I mentioned before, with your guru, Javier. And in this one, this was an idea that I pitched to him. I thought it would be kind of cool to go over it. It's kind of like an anatomy of an anthem. So I said, let's try and go through like Alive, Given a Fly, and Corduroy. I kind of gave like three different-ish eras for him to go through and, and kind of explain why these songs sound so much bigger live than on the record. And I think that that's kind of what he's going to go through on that. And if you listen to the first one, if you haven't, then definitely check it out. It's Deconstructing Avocado Part 1, because we'll be doing Part 1s, Part 2s, Part 9s for all of this. Whenever we feel inspired, we'll do another part. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely check out the Avocado one, and this one's going to be really, really good as well. Javier just makes love to his guitar, and like I mentioned, once he gets that strat in his hand, <laughs> you better watch out because I think there's going to be like nine gear garages in a week when that happens. No pressure, Javier. It's not actually nine, but we know that you want to play it, so... Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be a lot of fun. So check out that. We will have some new late night series episodes out for the rest of the year. We just put out the one on VH1 Rock of Honors where they covered the real me and Love Rain or Me for the Who's induction into that. I don't know if it's induction or celebration, whatever it is, honorees, I guess. But that is up there if you want to check that out, as well as the whole archive. Look, I tried to put together something on just like the the website for patreon.com slash live on four legs and i tried to put it together because they have a new feature where you can kind of package your episodes all in one so you can click on something that says evolution series and you can get all of the evolution series episodes and see them right there right in front of you so that should be good for you guys if you want to just listen to them and kind of pick and see what options are out there you can also do that through live on forelegs.com as well but yep. if you're on patreon that's just another option for you 
So if you want to go back and listen to any of those episodes, all I got to do is go to patreon.com slash live on four legs or go to the Patreon app, search for live on four legs or live on four legs.com and click that become patron button. You can do it on one of three tiers. You can join the bonus leg, get all the audio, get every single episode, every single writing that we've done. Or for $5 a month, you can join the Giggle Egg tier and get an episode of your choosing covered on the podcast. And I know that there's a ton of brand new Giggle Egg patrons that are out there. All I'll say is you guys heard from the beginning that our schedule is filling up very, very quickly. So make sure you're on top of that. Make sure that you got your request in and hopefully we can be able to get to that in 2024. That's for everybody that's either Giggle Egg or Horizon Leg out there. And Horizon Leg, like I just mentioned, you also get an episode request. You'll also get a profile episode and more things to come down the line. Some merch that working on. And yeah, that's a work in progress. Some things are just always a work in progress. And that one will come at a, at a certain point. So we thank everybody new and old and potentially new for being a whole part of this. So very, very cool, you guys. Okay, I think we're not going to go back into The Rock, but we're going to go, I guess, and talk about The Rock once more. And is this one of the ones where we give three moments to? I mean, it's on the main show, so we might as well, right? Yeah, I think we should. Right. I'll go first. You went first last week. I'm going to say my number three is Alive. I'm going to put Alive in it, number three. I'm going to say Black is number two and Porch is number one. Okay. I'm going to say Suggestion, number three, State of Love and Trust, number two, and Porch, number one. There we go. Number one stays the same. So now we get to sort of a rating on this. And it's a little tough because we don't have the full show. And it's a little tough to kind of try and put a number on it when we don't have all of what went down. But what we do have, we can sort of rate and kind of do it as a whole. But I think that in my perspective that it does take the rating down just a little bit to where maybe if we had even flow Jeremy and Deep, maybe it could get up to a nine. But I think I'm at an eight on this. Like a very, very good 1992 show. You have the stunts. And like the stunts are going to just get wilder as the year goes on. And that stage at Lawrence, Kansas will turn into what the drop in the park stage is, which is much bigger and many, many, many more people. So this is just kind of like a, a setup for that. I'm going to give this an eight. This is a fun look back. Yeah. Yeah. The way we've been kind of doing these, the rating on, we've done some of these for Patreon and stuff is, you know, we'll start at a five and then we'll give points to like a superlative performance or a moment. So I'm going to start at a five. I'm going to give a point to Alive. I'm going to give a point to State of Love and Trust. I'm going to give a point to Porch. I'm going to end up in the same place as you. I'm going to give this one an eight. All right. Eights across the board. Well, we kind of teed up what would happen for next week. And that is going to be that Prague 2018 show for Ross. So that should be a lot of fun. Again, like you mentioned, we haven't done 2018 in a very long time because the home away shows were pretty important to do and all of the Seattle home shows and, and obviously episode one and episode two were the Fenway shows. So got that out of the way early, but it's it's been since December, 2021. That that was probably night one of Safeco, right? Safeco. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So we'll get another one in. And again, it'll be really cool to go through what the transition was like from that period of time to a couple years later where Gigaton starts to come in and we kind of get a change of what Pearl Jam is a little bit. So, all right. Well, that is going to be our show. But before we go, are you subscribed to us on any of the podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple, or maybe another one that we're not paying attention to? There could be other ones out there. There definitely are. If you're subscribed, then most of these platforms have a spot where you can rate the show. And we always say, if we deserve the five stars, go ahead and rate us the five stars. We've done the work. We know what we're capable of. And I think you guys know what we're capable of, too. I think we've earned it, but that's up to you. If we haven't earned the five stars, then please reach out to us and tell us why. Because then maybe we can kind of consider, okay... There might be a thing that we need to fix. We're open to everything, all possibilities. And if you're on Apple and want to do the rating and also want to leave us a comment, that would be very helpful because, look, we just went through a whole entire tour where maybe people standing online in the GA line. I knew a lot of people standing in a lot of GA lines this past month that maybe they're talking and they're like, hey, have you listened to this live on Four Legs thing yet? And maybe somebody's like, I've never heard of live on Four Legs. Well, on Apple Podcast, you can read everybody's comments as to what they think about our show. And if that's motivation enough for you to turn on an episode, that's good for us because we don't need that. We know that there are people out there that are loyal to us and that have listened to this from the very, very beginning. But for anybody that's brand new that wants to come aboard and sees that there are so many people that think very, very highly of this show, then that is good. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing the power of word of mouth. All right, you guys, let's close this one on out. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already, miss you always. So we can get a full wrap-up of the tour next week. We will be in Prague. And hey, one last final thing. This is Wednesday. Wednesday night on the Pearl Jam Podcast Community Group, we will be doing a live stream of destined to remember which is our little tour live stream that we've done with uh, anthony from touring fan live and we're going to talk about just what happened in those eight shows and i'm calling this post-tour depression ptd because it always happens at this time of year you just want it bad you just want it to come back and it's a long wait until you get it again so check out that that'll be at nine o'clock tonight if you're listening to this on wednesday Thanks, everybody, for listening. Tune in next week to Prague 2018. Listen to Fugazi or you're stupid.